0: Welcome to 1001 Good Nights, a podcast about the stories behind bedtime stories. Follow along with two new dads, one a psychologist and one a book editor, as they explore the nighttime ritual of their foreseeable future.
1: Hey, Ben. Hey, Nick. This is a... uh... Hobbit episode, and that means comfort.
0: You, uh, I'm, I'm, frankly, I'm a little intimidated. Uh, I,
1: I, I am too, but I'm I'm intimidated, but I'm also impressed. You, you've been reading this to Elena, which seems like an ambitious. Is this so? What, what are the logger books that you've read been reading to her so far? It's trying the Chocolate Factory*, this, and *When the Willows*. Are those kind of the?
0: Yeah, so those are the. We, we've 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 just been going through the *Roll Doll* cannon so we, we've been cruising through a bunch of those so it's it's those yeah the hobbit in the willows um yeah those are probably the big ones um and the hobbit was definitely i think it's the hardest for was the hardest for her to kind of follow um she did she did pretty, i mean she's she continued to be interested um, yeah. i was kind of waiting for opportunities for her to say like yeah i don't know dad um, you, made it, you made it the whole book
1: are you are you yeah. are you
0: yeah um but i have to say like Smog was key. Like the, when we first started reading, she like was thumbing through, like looking for pictures, and she found the picture of smog lying on the on the treasure pile of gold, and that just like carried her through the whole like waiting to like when's the dragon coming? When's you know, the dragon coming?
1: I, I will say we can talk about the structure of this a little bit later, but that's something the book does pretty. Del- it, it, there's a lot of teasing of the dragon. There's yeah. a lot of times throughout the book where they they say things. And as bad as it gets, like, I bet the dragon's going to be still worse than this. Like, even if we get through this, there's the dragon to to right. to, to contend with. So they, they don't really lose like as as much sort of side questing type stuff that they do. They, they never lose sight of like the the the, the looming uh, final boss of, of the whole book. Right,
0: so. right, which is I think narratively smart given this because the the structure of the story is very episodic like it's almost like just these little like series of kind of like mini adventures that they go on That and it's not like they're this is one of the we can probably talk about maybe the movies a little bit at some point but the peter jackson movies make a big deal out of like connecting all the bigger themes from like the lord of the rings universe and like you're just very aware of like the big narrative structures but in the hobbit it's just like it, there, again, there are these little teases of like you know the, the dragon at the end, but mostly they're just in these little micro adventures. Whether it's the trolls or the spiders in Merkwood or the wargs in the in right. the trees, and, um, and I think that's one of the kind of fascinating things about this this book is that it there is this like big ambitious goal, but what to me what makes it fun is like you're just hopping through these really distinctive, unique, kind of fun little adventures. And it's just one adventure onto the next.
1: Um, yeah, I, I agree. And I kind of, so I, I wonder so, sometimes the way it is so casual and it's weird, especially like even even setting the movies aside and the way that like Peter Jackson constructs the universe, the context of the Lord of the Rings and then just Middle Earth and Tolkien hangs really heavy over this book just because it Tolkien became such a big deal and, and the Lord of the Rings became the high fantasy story that everything else followed after it. And and it's much more, he's such like a, uh, uh, dedicated world builder and, and, and that, you can kind of see that present in this book, but it, but this, that, that hadn't, it was written before it and it, 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 it has a it has a really different sort of vibe like so it's impossible to read this like now without the Lord of the Rings hanging over and even that's in right. some ways that's because he came back and changed some of the things he changed the riddles in the sequence and, oh. and I don't know what he did so my book actually uh page one is i don't I don't know what the section is because the the title is in runes but it, it's about sort of his argument he explains like why he makes some of the linguistic choices mm-hmm. dwarves versus dwarfs and he includes some I don't know some musings on sort of the the, the dwarvish alphabet and uh, so he he clearly is like I'm an almost neurotic world builder right. but but you get the sense that that he was not in that mode when he started writing the book i think this he started writing this that he started with that first line in, in, a, in a hole in the ground there lived a hobbit on some like exam empty blank page on one of his students exam sheets and then just kind of noodled around with it for about a decade and there, there's that there's that uh there's that thing where he he talks about how the game of golf was invented when right. like when like when, when when some like brave hobbit like struck golfum balls head off with a wooden club and <laughs> Like into the battle and start the game of golf, and there's a lot of like it, it. You're not really sure it's located in Middle Earth, but he talks about even to this day, dwarves have never learned to use matches. Or everybody's always saying, "My dear," there's it, just kind of a more
0: the trolls are named like William and Bill. Yeah,
1: yeah right.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it, and that's. Um,
1: there's a lot of like I, like put, put, putting the kettle on. It, it's, it's just not this like very solemn high fantasy. Right thing that the Lord of the Rings became later. So, um, how do you feel about that
0: stuff? Like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm kind of uh, ambivalent about whether I find it. On the one hand, I find it kind of charming, and and it's what makes the Hobbit kind of distinctive, and it contributes to that sort of lightheartedness. Um, like it's a it's an adventure story, not an epic. Like Lord of the Rings is an epic, right? Right. it has got adventure in it. This is just an adventure story, <laughs> right? Right. It, but on the other hand, it. It does kind of. I don't know. It's it's sort of quasi like fourth wall breaking. You know, you're, you're sort of like, wait, what? Like I thought I was in, you know, I was in like this Middle Earth place, and but this guy's name is Bill, right? <laughs> troll, yeah. Of...
1: Well, but but but, it, but it's not consistent. I mean, I think if this manuscript, well, it's it's hard to say because like reading, if it, it's 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 impossible for me to sort of like separate it because so uh, there is never a time that I can remember when I hadn't read. Uh, the hobbit lord of the rings like i was reading those mm-hmm. like as long as far and and apparently the first movie that i ever uh took in was the the cartoon version of it, the teleplay made for tv 1977 oh, hobbit <laughs> and which is still like john houston's even even McClellan is a marvelous actor but for me the voice of gandalf is the voice of john yeah. houston so yeah. um my parents put me in front of it when i was like an Almost, you know, just a just a baby, and and they didn't expect me to even follow it, or they didn't know if I was paying attention. And then that night, they heard me talking in my sleep, and I was saying things like the sword, the sword killed the dragon. (laughs) So I was just sort of (laughs) steeped in this from you know from the get go, and so it's just hard for me. Sometimes I, I feel like if I was to get this manuscript fresh this kind of feel this was a lot of the wind in the willows where it's yeah like there's some things are full of high sentence like just like the wind the willows you have that the piper at the gates of dawn and it's like whoa this is very grave and yeah. kind of heavy and and kind of mystical almost and then other things are just, there's a lot of picnics and that's kind of how this is Like there's a lot of like yeah. jokes about bomber eating too much food and like bilbo's always hungry too and <laughs> And and I think that my instinct is to like trying to integrate it more into the the Lord of the Rings universe that I'm so familiar with that I'm that I'm that I'm so steeped in and I I don't think that's the, necessarily the right yeah. way to handle it and and I do wonder what it would be like if Tolkien had only just written the the Hobbit and that had that had been all that he'd done like
0: how would we read it would it, you know would it would it be different I don't know you know what it kind of reminds that those little eccentricities in it they almost, it makes it feel like a, like a parent, making up a story for their kid at bedtime where yeah. it's like they've kind of got this like this bigger story and themes but the thing they can't the kid asks like a weird question and it's just like yeah well and i then, don't know like his name's what, bill i can't and it I think like- and i
1: think <laughs> that was some of it was he, when he when it was in development um it was it was like a part of their fireside readings whatever like whatever that no. entailed like but so it i think it it was i think wind Willis had some of that too where it was like a story and you and you can tell like even when he's sort of like being silly. Like you can tell that Tolkien's a very learned man, not, not that he's trying to slum it, but that <laughs> like he's kind of plain, but like he can't in some instances, like, instances restrain himself from mythologizing or drawing on yeah. like, you know, his exhaustive knowledge of, I don't know, like Norse legend or things like that. So um, it was, uh, it got like the sign off of the, of a, a t- one of the people, the publishing house who read it was 10 years old and he gave
0: it a thumbs up and he got paid wait, a wait, the publishing house employed a 10 year old.
1: Yeah. Well, they were like, How, well, who, what, who's this, who's that, you know, what is this intended for? And Tony was like, Oh, this is kind of a kid story. I've been kind of messing around with it and trying it on mm-hmm. my kids. And, uh, uh, they're like, Oh, well, I've got a 10 year old, you know, see what, <laughs> yeah. see what you think. And so they, they, the publishing house paid the kid a, a shilling and he was like, it's good. <laughs> and they've always said that, that's the best shilling they ever spent because he was like it's It turned out to be like it sold out almost to like people, people loved it, you know, from from the jump. Um But yeah, I mean, but it is but it is uneven. Like it it does, it does waver back and forth between like kind of those two modes. But maybe yeah. like that, maybe that was more common because like I said, when the some of those other you know s- stories ha- have that too, so maybe sometimes I think that like Christmas curls seem like that to me as well, and maybe it's just we you know we're more uh like caught in like lexile reading levels, and like you shouldn't be dropping you shouldn't be talking about the withered heath you know if <laughs> if you're if you're writing for you know younger kids, you should be saving the you know the more obscure vocabulary words for for you know once they get to a certain like age appropriate level. And, and they didn't have any of that infrastructure at the time. So it's just, one of the things
0: I feel like as like archaic as some of the like language can be, and as, as, um, I don't know, just as, as adult as, as part of it can be when I, I think when I was reading it with my daughter, I think one of the things that helped her stay interested is that Again, the the overall structure is it's very episodic. It's like these like short. It's it's never too long before you're like out of one adventure and into some new one, right? And so even if you get a little bit bogged down in one of the, like I think she yeah what was what
1: what what bored her the most about the story.
0: I mean, the beginning was definitely hard. Like like what what is happening? There's in this like who's Bilbo and who's that was one thing. Is he. Tolkien goes back and forth between calling him bilbo and the hobbit in the beginning yeah. so she was really confused about that like putting together that like bilbo is the hobbit and that there's only one of them and then these dwarves and like she figured out pretty early on that like gandalf was important and kind of like the adult in the room <laughs>
1: yeah right
0: <laughs> um but it, i would say that the first chapter was the hardest for her to kind of it seemed like she was doing the most work there um and then <laughs> speaking of gandalf the like she, she was borderline outraged at the the point where they they're, they've um, left Bjorn's house and they're getting ready to go into Mirkwood, and yeah. Gandalf just like pieces out. He's yeah. like, "I gotta go do some stuff. Like, I'll, I'll catch up with you guys later."
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean that is a, like to be fair, that like and, and the dwarves are also like very. Yeah. That, that's a really interesting. I had never thought of this, but and maybe that's why kids responded because we've talked about how often uh, stories are. It's like a bunch of. Kids without without like adult supervision and like, mm. but it really but really it is like an adult and a bunch of children. I mean, they're all like short and small, and they need like Bilbo's always needing help like getting boosted up into trees, and they're they're not quite tall that <laughs> they can't reach things, you know, and and they're always bickering, and and when they're hungry that they behave pretty childishly, even yeah. though like they're all like Bilbo's fifty years old and the, the dwarves like hundreds of years old. Yeah, you know, they, they get enough always has to come in and sort of like scold them for for right. for you know kind of acting like kids and, and bail, them with, bail them out
0: for getting or bail them out yeah
1: and then yeah. and but then they have to have this moment where they go through Merkwood forest without him and that's kind of a chance for them to work some mm. things out and
0: yeah, that's interesting i hadn't thought about yeah. that yeah huh yeah it's but, but there was definitely some some moral outrage on my daughter's part of yeah like,
1: well yeah because the, the, the <laughs> dad left dad <laughs> abandons them <laughs>
0: Um, going into Mirkwood, you know, with (laughs) with spiders and um, she, so one of the things I remember being that really appealed to me about this book and that my daughter was clearly very interested in too is the maps. Like I, I really think like I, I probably spent as much time looking at those maps as I did actually reading the book, like just kind of like pondering and like noticing details and, Wondering what's like beyond the edge of something, and and that was clearly um,
1: very very important to Tolkien too. First of all, I think he did a lot of the maps himself, and then also did a lot of the illustrations in the original book. Yeah. And it's, this is one of those great things where I feel like the maps there are more details than are in the story. So like it's not you know there's like wow and you can kind of put yourself in the margins and you know wonder about things and I don't know there's a real Tolkien's really good at, at like the sense of place and. Yeah and that that comes through pretty makes it s- s- sort of like a good like travel story too because you can really you get a sense i mean you you get a, re- a real sense for the for the journey and he's really concerned with like how long things take and how it's situated and when like you know you can see the mountain coming closer and closer and i don't know it's it's uh like you can understand why he became sort of a template for 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 building a world and like you know
0: and that yeah. he did. What do you think of the the? I mean, I think I've heard this as a criticism of of Tolkien generally, um, but I, I certainly notice it in The Hobbit. Like when I'm comparing The Hobbit to Wind in the Willows*, for instance, there, while his strength is certainly like world building and th- that sort of just adventuresomeness, um, yeah. it does seem to lack some maybe the characters kind of lack some psychological depth do you think that's like a do you think that's fair um like even just comparing some of the wind of the willows characters um to some like i don't feel like i ever really get bilbo in in the like as, as a as a as a person like as a as a care it, it's a little bit typey maybe um what do you what do you think about that would you agree disagree yeah i, mean, I think Um,
1: I, I agree, but I think that Bilbo is kind of an exception. So I think that a lot of the other characters like Thorin and Gandalf, even, um, they are, they seem like straight out of some mythical tale. Like they're, they're flat in the way that Sir Percival or Lancelot, I mean, those that they have, there's, there's there's some complicated things where they behave pretty in a pretty straightforward fashion, but was a little different. Like maybe it's just because, I mean, there, there's some actual change. And in, in, the, in the very beginning, he's presented as this sort of squeaky, uh, uh, I don't know. Like he when he he hears about the dragon and he, he at one point he's like on the ground shrieking struck by lightning struck by lightning very <laughs> almost bizarre scene um but then by the end like he has kind of become like an adult in the room and is brokering these international treaties between various yeah. kingdoms and having to yeah. figure out all the different schemes and he's he's and he almost has this impatient this impatience with the dwarves like well, listen. If you want to figure out how to get out of prison yourself, be my guest. But right this is as good as it's going to get. So you know, these are your options: take them or leave them. And, and 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 maybe that that itself is kind of a flat thing because it's not as it's people aren't as simple as you just flip a switch and you go from you have you have one encounter with up with some forest spiders and then all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're, you find a magic ring and then <laughs> you
1: find a magic ring and, and step a couple forest biters and then you know then you're competent. But
0: um well, but it's also kind of framed from the beginning, like it there there's some kind of foreshadowing with the Bilbo is is half baggins, half took. Right. right? And the and and it, it's sort of about him embracing both these, parts of you, that. these
1: two natures, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but um, but then also that at the very end, like but there's he doesn't eradicate the Baggins part. Like it's not no. like the took is the, 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 the 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 like the, the nobler or better one. It's just
0: he's not playing golf more, with goblin heads. That, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, you're right. And, 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 and also, and then part of that also is that there is that weird, that weird scene in which uh, the smog. So smog is the is the is the. Uh, is the thing that's that's driving the whole book that's what Elena was excited about, yep. that's the big villain. But a considerable portion of the book happens after Smog dies, and I think that's when because, and then I, I guess the, the new villain becomes the Goblin Armies, but also the new villain becomes Thor and his, and his love of gold, and then he acts yeah. so he's a flat character, and, and but he then who if his last chapter just behaves very strangely. And it it's hard for me to tell if that's just like if if that's good writing, like if, if he hasn't been I mean, you you see foreshadows of of the way that you know, you of the way that dwarves deal with gold and you know, even leading up and the way when he's in the the prison cell of the of the elf king, he doesn't give any information and there's a lot of suspicion and mistrust. But in some ways it does feel like it comes out of nowhere and it feels like if he were a richer character it might have been worth exploring some of those themes earlier on in the book instead of he's just, he's, he's, he's a good leader. And then all of a sudden like, the lust for gold takes over and, and he's, yeah. he's, threatening, he's threatening to throw Bilbo's baggage on the rocks. You know, who like, <laughs> the person who essentially engineered I mean, it's very like, I, uh, if, if Elena's upset when Gandalf, betray, I, I, and I, I've known this story my whole life, I had this "Are you kidding me?" moment when I read it again most recently, where it's like, you, you haven't done anything. You just like strolled in. You got this treasure. Bard shot the dragon. Bilbo set everything in motion, (laughs) and you can't give any of it. Like you, you can't give any of it up like that. Are you are you crazy? But uh, what what do you think about that? Is that did, did Elena was was Elena perturbed by the way he was acting, or?
0: I I honestly think she may have checked out a little bit after after, Bard, after the you know, <laughs> <laughs> Well, and 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 partly understandably because that is a little bit of a disjointed, like not only does Thorin's character get kind of like whoa what, but like the whole plot just gets sort of weird. Like you think, okay, Smog's done. There's going to be a nice kind of denouement, and then we're going to be we're going to be out of here. But it's like no, there's this other thing that we're not. There's this huge battle, but then even the battle, like you don't see a lot of it cuz bilbo just gets sort of like knocked out. Gets knocked you, out, right. You wake yeah. up and the battle's over, right? So it's a it's a weird um it, it's like, also
1: it's also a weird battle because the battle lines are drawn and then like so you'd think smog dies and and it should maybe be wrapping itself up and then it's like oh no now they're fighting over the treasure. So then there's some build up and it's the the, the elves and the men facing right. off against the, the the dwarves and they they're just about to start fighting and then it's like jk they're actually the the, all this time the goblins have been gathering like you know to to avenge the great goblin that was killed you know way back near the beginning of the book and then it's like oh oh, okay you know and then thorin dies i mean it's like that's like you know they mention all the dwarves through all those dangers and then you know thorin and feely and keely are just die in one fell swoop, and so it, it, it is kind of bewildering. So I don't I don't blame Elena at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, I okay. So what back to the kind of like um that critique that like the characters aren't mm, filled out enough, don't have enough psychological depth. Like if I'm playing Devil's Advocate, m- maybe there's a thing going on where, given how interesting interested in kind of myth Tolkien was, like maybe that's a little bit deliberate in that maybe he deliver just like sort of a, an impressionistic painter deliberately avoids too much detail to, to achieve a desired effect. Yeah. Like maybe there's something similar going on with deliberately not like, like may, maybe that amount of, of psychological depth that we're used to in like modern novels. Maybe there's a trade off there, right? Yeah. That when, when you go too deep on that, you lose something that like these more kind of, mythic or archetypal um stories have to offer
1: yeah and and maybe also we're you know we're losing sight of what this was when it first came out and like what the expectations of the audience were too i mean i think you know for his flight like you know smog smog isn't like a really complex he's definitely the villain you know of the piece Mm -hmm. but that scene where he's talking to to bilbo like and Bilbo makes the the mistake of saying barrel rider and like because right. Bilbo enjoys playing the game so much that he gets kind of carried away, and then it has awful consequences for the the town for Lake Town. Like essentially, Bilbo gets kind of carried away in wordplay, and then Lake Town burns. And it's so,
0: massacred. So, yeah. I mean, like, whoops. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but but even like then like uh, smog doesn't uh, like smog seems very in some ways human during during that exchange where like Bobo's playing to his vanity and I don't know there's 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 a it's you know it's, it's not entirely it's it's not no they're not entirely flat. And and especially no. and especially if you're if if you grew up where it's where it's like maybe the dragon doesn't even speak in some of these stories and like the knight just rides in and, like it yeah. dodges fire and then like you know stabs him. I mean that's that's a little more you know right. back right. and forth right there just that there's kind of uh, uh, uh the, the level of dialogue between like the, like the beast and the the burglar is you know yeah
0: that's, that's a good it. point, and like how many there there are probably a lot of like kind of typical like fantasy adventure conventions that we just sort of take for granted as normal that were created by tolkien like like the one that comes to mind is the idea of the the sort of like little inconspicuous kind of person at the beginning who ends up becoming the like the person you least expect ends right. up becoming like the hero and like Harry Potter, like living under the, you know, right. living under the stairs, the beginning, or, you know, there's all these examples of that. And, but maybe that's like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a historian of children's literature, but may, maybe there are a lot of these things that we just take for granted that were pretty novel.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, and, and there's, I think there's underdogs throughout history, but I think a lot of times these mythic heroes like Beowulf and Achilles, we're yeah, not, they're... we're not like hobbits who like really prefer to like have, you know, miss their second breakfast and, and, uh, you know, weren't, weren't like, were not were not like were are sort of like, uh, underestimated throughout. Like people, people took Beowulf pretty seriously from, you know, from, 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 from the jump. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, and even this business of like the kind of playing around with like who, like heroes and villains. Like it's that's also not totally clear. Like on the villain side, it's yeah, Smog is sort of ostensibly the villain. But you could make a good case that it's it's really kinda of, he's sort of like the like the fake villain and that like Thorne is actually the one who has this like kind of tragic plunge and becomes the one who is almost more despicable than Smog. Right. Right. Like you were talking about. Um and even Bilbo is kind of a a non-traditional hero in the sense that he's he's the hero, he's not a warrior, he's a burglar, right? right. And he, he's, he's kind of more interested in like wordplay, like you said, like wordplay, and that ends up getting people in trouble. And at the end, he, he sort of like goes back to like the quiet life. And so there's a lot of almost kind of like, um, I don't know, like uh, playing with these sort of like conventions that, that's actually more kind of like progressive maybe than we right. give it credit for like at the time.
1: So can can I? So one thing, if I got this as like a uh, like this manuscript in, and, and I had to sort of review it, the the role of Bilbo as a burglar is such like a a funny thing because and 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 the the the, the narrative acknowledges this, but there isn't really a plan at all. Like and and, and everybody brings it up, like and. Like, what is he supposed to do? So they get there to the the mountain. They don't have any plan for getting rid of smog. And it's like, I guess I'll steal it. But it would take him like a thousand years to like gradually. And where, where would he take it? Like logistically, it's like impossible. Not only that, but like, he brings it up. Smog says how, like, even if it were you to get out of the mountain, how are you going to get it back to where you're coming from? Like, like you're going to hire guards. Like, it's just like, and the dwarf surely knew, like, knew this and so it's almost like Tolkien thinks by acknowledging that like the the conceit of, of the plot is ridiculous, that that's okay. Then I don't know that like that that's a <laughs> look as a storyteller, it's like everybody acknowledges this is kind of a doofy thing. We're just gonna show there and like see what happens. Um and then Ganoff just keeps on saying things like, well there's more to Bilbo than than you might suspect. <laughs> <The> yeah. <laughs> but are we, are, yeah, but are we to just anticipate that Gandalf knew like Bilbo was going to find an invisible ring of invisibility, find Smog's weak spot, talk about it in front of a thrush that only one person in Lake town <laughs> can understand who's going to be down to his last arrow. He's going to shoot. The thrush is going to tell the, the archer just in time. Like it's a real, and like Gandalf just set that all in mode. Like and he just intuited like, you know, he's like, well, Bilbo is very lucky and, there's more to him than meets the eye, so probably right. this is how it going go down.
0: And Bard, too, what a weird character, right? Yeah. You, it, you get like no introduction to him at all, really. And then it but that's another weird, like playing with conventions. Like he's he's the here, he like kills the villain, right? Yeah, I mean,
1: really, but the thing is, like, if this was a, a regular like story, this would be the story from Bard's point of view. He's descended from, you know, the the heroes of old. Um, he sort of suffers under like an incompetent master who's literally called the master the
0: master. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and then, and then everybody who ends up cowardly, but, but Bard like sees the danger all along. People think that it like, Oh, maybe it's the rivers running with it goals. Like, no, it's probably the dragon that lives in the mountain. So he, and, and he's, he's kind of a killjoy, but, his pessimism, it pays off. And sure enough, he, he's the one that kills the dragon. He's the, he's the dragon killer. And he's the one that's sort of like, re, like, rebuilds the town. And this really should just be like, like in, in some ways, he's a more key figure than Bilbo. Like Bilbo turns out to be hugely important because he finds the ring, which turns out to be a, a, a dramatically significant thing in the universe, the Lord of the Rings. But in terms of like the lonely mountain, you know, world. Yeah. Like, if it was, if 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 like, it should just be about Bard, you know, like, <laughs> Bard v. You know, Bard via smog is like what it what it should be. You know, so. right.
0: But I think the it seems like what Tolkien is more interested in is is Bilbo the character, like this kind of um homely like guy who just likes his kind of creature comforts and is very happy to kind of stay out of the way and just like tend to his garden and make tea every every day and um. But this dilemma of like as good as that is, sometimes there's this other part of us that has to like awaken and go on right. adventures and no matter how like crazy and nonsensical those adventures are, you have to just sort of like take the the leap sometimes and just like do it and go with it and right. see what happens. Um, and that's and that that sort of makes sense of the slightly like eccentric or chaotic, structure of the book like that that's how adventures are like they're not actually linear in- yeah, and yeah
1: and, and the book itself maybe the because the lord of the rings and and definitely the silmarillion which you know which was his so after the, he wrote the hobbit then people were like oh man what's going to follow it up and he gave them the silmarillion which is this big almost like account of like you know uh, of middle earth myth and they said no we kind of want more of the hobbit so then he wrote <laughs> the, the lord of the rings which is kind of you know somewhere in between an adventure story but you know, a little bit more yeah. serious, but it, like we said, the Hobbit does kind of like, he's making it up as he goes along, even though like it's clear that there's been like, he says things like, as you will later see. And he has, he has stuff, he has structural things like that in there. Like, it does kind of feel like he, like, He's like, yeah, we're gonna uh, steal this treasure. How are we gonna do that? And the the hobbits like, I don't know. And the dwarves like, I don't know. And Tolkien's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's just get through. Let's get over the Misty Mountains. Let's get through Merkwood. You know, then like you know, one 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 thing at a time.
0: Yeah, but in a, in a weird way, that like rings true, right? Like when you even even just on a personal level, when you think of the you know adventures of your life, like how many people yeah. actually have like the big game plan? Like th- right. we don't know what we're doing. We're just like flying by the seat of our pants, and we just sort of like tackle one adventure as it hits us. You know
1: yeah i mean the the only person that it seems to have like a bigger sense of things is is gandalf like he right. has this kind of large like he which is why he knows when to leave like he's like oh i've got to, like all of a sudden even though like they they stayed in rivendell for two weeks like whatever whatever time when they they reach bjorn's like house that's like with a little like some alarm when i was like oh better go down and do some other things and like that no paged right yeah he has some <laughs>
0: Um, but that but in, again that like resonates too because it, it, in life it does seem like there are those people who seem to have like a bigger sense of what's going on or at least act like it like they kind of know like the big arc and the rest of us are just kind of like yeah I'm, I'm definitely fire after another. I'm
1: definitely like, like Nori or, or Boffer like, not even, like, like. <laughs> if you enjoyed this episode check out our other content at 1001goodnights.com and help us out with a rating on your podcast platform of choice.